Well, hey there, fellow nerds and nerdwells. I'm AJ, and welcome to the Adventurers Anonymous podcast, the home of improvised fantasy, fuck nuggetry. Come join us week by week as a rotating cast of geeks sip cocktails, play Dungeons and Dragons, and seek a glorious death. As ever, I'm duty-bound to remind you that the content from here on in is not suitable for little ears. So, if you're not legally allowed to vote, drive a car, or watch movies that require a fake ID, then kindly skip this podcast and go study for your mass test. Seriously, algebra needs your undivided attention right now. Go, 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 little ones. Now then, Chris Rack sends his apologies. He said he was off somewhere getting slippery tonight. And quite frankly, I didn't want to ask follow-up questions. However... I am joined, as ever, by the usual scum of Hive and Villainy. First up, coming to us live and direct from Finland, is Mr. Matt Durant, the man the local Finns like to call Vitu Krokodili. Hi, I'm, it's uh, great to be here, and I'm, that's some pretty good pronunciation. I can see those tens of thousands of pounds of tutoring uh, paid off. <laughs> you see, you, you see, listeners... We fucked up and we recorded the intro and then realized we didn't press record. So we're recording this again. So Matt is now not surprised that my that my finish is, is getting better because I keep having to fucking record this intro. Vitu Crocatili. Fucking crocodile. There we go. Right, how are you again? You still well like you were five minutes ago? You could have still well. Still well. Excellent. Oh, we've got a hand up listeners. Yes, Mr. Neil. I, don't, I, I genuinely don't want to derail you. I just want to let you know. Because you can just cut, you can just cut this out if you want. It's absolutely fine. We don't need to go back and rectify oh, no. it. Don't, don't do this to me. You said you instead of the uh, usual hive of scum and villainy, you said the usual scum of hive and villainy. I don't it's care. Do you know what? I'm so. Do you know what? It's a beautiful little limited edition. Only yeah. the grammar man himself oh, no, listeners. Right. Do you know what? I'm breaking with tradition. I'm going to go straight to the woke millennial grammar trap himself, Mr. Chris Neal. How are you doing? Have you fiddled uh, around with any colons this week? How are uh, you? Uh, only, only the one in your mum's stomach. Oh. With my big old, with my Woo-hoo! big old dick. <laughs> 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 we went there. Yes, uh, yeah. Sweet baby Jesus, how did you get taken off air? Well, funny. Uh, we re-recorded the intro and it got filthy. Okey-doke. Right, I'm going to leave my mum where she is, right there. And uh, we're going to move on. Next up, we have the high-born lady from Croydon, currently hiding in Sheffield. She can often be heard scaring off local chavs and coal miners with her dulcet tones as she shouts... Oi, you muggy cunt. Are you having a laugh? Hi. How are you? I would be better if you hadn't stolen my own line and used it against me in such a bond villain. I don't know what you mean. It what? Seems, no, I can't help it. Yeah, it seems funnier than you. That was just a perfect record. <laughs> Feels mean to just, to just like workshop your, your intro based on our yeah. punchlines. This is a rich exchange Fine. of ideas. It's, it's only your own XP you're hurting. This is a beautiful coming together of... Of just cultures and ideas and and god wow listeners you're so lucky to be here right so without further ado go grab yourself a drink pull your chair closer to the fire and come join chris matt chan and myself for this week's episode of the adventurers anonymous podcast cue intro music <laughs> Jerks, bad, the worst, wanderers, drink a 
Right. Now that we've made it this far without fuck-ups, let's try a recap. Who? We- I would love a recap. Give us a recap. Right. Who would like a recap? Give us your fucking recap. Oh, I thought you'd never ask. Give it to me, Daddy. Previously, our intrepid adventurers took a well-earned rest in the... Sh- so much. Did you just call me daddy? That's fucking no. grim. <laughs> no. I'm going to start again, listeners. Previously, our intrepid adventurers took a well-earned rest in the village of Skanksley, having triumphed over the undead vampiress Lilith von Spluth. Belsiar paid a visit to the charming lady at the artisanal cheesemakers, promising to return to her when his days of adventuring were behind him. Maud made a stop at the blacksmith's to have a tiny suit of armour crafted for her beloved sugar glider, Keith. Meanwhile, Tatty wandered around, basking in the applause and gratitude of the villagers. Embarking on a group of elderly horses, they set off on a journey across the country to the coastal village of Little Titherton in search of a boat for sale. Upon arrival, they encountered Gatsby, the local shopkeeper, who seemed to take on every role in the village. Doctor, priest, postman, you name it, he did it all. Finally, the merry band of adventurers reached the doorstep of Marjorie and Roger Squeals, a gnome couple looking to sell their boat. However, their warm welcome quickly turned dark as Marjorie pointed to the garden, revealing the presence of another individual interested in purchasing the boat. Tatty watched on in dismay as he recognised a small tattooed gnome from the Damali Dingdongs, a vicious gang they had encountered during their time in Nutbush Penitentiary a long time ago. And that, my friends, is where we shall pick up today's episode. Right. We've made it this far without fucking up. Question. So was this guy from the Damali Dingdongs, was he sat outside where we were in the uh, Squeals, Squeals house? Correct. Right. So just to, just to re-place um, you, what's the word? Reorientate you. Just to reorientate you into the situation, you had been welcomed into the Squeals house. There was Marjor- Marjorie and Roger, uh, who were elderly gnomes. Roger was a retired soldier, you know, and they had um, a small Pomeranian called Winifred if you remember, who had been flirting with Barbara. Now, on mentioning that you wanted to buy the boat, Marjorie said, oh, that's the most amazing thing. We had no offers for this boat, and then suddenly two people turned up on the same day. And she pointed through the rear window of their kitchen where you saw one of the ding-dongs just sitting at a table out in their garden, sipping tea, and I think he had a slice of cake. Are they, is, is he also a gnome? Yeah, oh, yes. Okay, I can't remember if they, they were, were they a gnome. Is, are you asking that as Belsia? Well, that they, they, they were a gnome gang. No, they were a gnome. Yeah, yeah. They were a gnome. They were a gnome gang. They're gnomish. They were the gnome persuasion. Gnome, gnome offenders. <laughs> All right, what would you like to do? Did we and did we have beef with them with, with the triple D's? I don't. I, th- I think we had a little bit of a scrap, but we had a bit. We had a bit of a scrap. I think I definitely I definitely remember Tatty in particular having a a little scrap with a couple of them. Can I if I can see him sat outside do I recognize him from the people that we met in prison? Make me a perception check. Ooh, 27. Woo-hoo. You do recognize him as one of uh, with a 27 I will say yes, you do recognize him as uh, one of the kind of lieutenants of the Damali Ding Dongs that was in prison. Yeah, must you with him? Okay, uh, but I don't recognize. I don't recognize him. I don't. I can't remember his name. 
No. On a 27, which is a pretty good score, I will say that you remember that the leader of the Damali Ding Dongs was called Tito Minute. Yeah. Tito Minute. But that is not Tito Minute. Nonetheless, he's a small gnome uh, covered in gang tattoos, uh, wearing a sleeveless leather kind of like jacket. And you see he's got like a wispy white beard, bald on top. And he nods at you. He's seen you now as he just gives you the nod. Okay. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go outside and talk to him. Okay. So as you open the back door, the warmth of the sunny day hits you and the smell of fresh cut grass and beautiful flowers that are all in bloom lining this lovely little retirement cottage that Marjorie and Roger have made all perfect. As you step out, a butterfly flying across the front of you, you walk over to the table where you see this gnome sitting, sipping on tea out of one of Marjorie's fine bone china teacups. I'll walk over and just, uh, is he sat at a table, did you say? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll walk over and just, uh, just, just sidle over casually and sit down across from him. Just give him a quick nod. He stares back at you, just nodding, as very slowly he reaches down, taking a fork full of his lemon drizzle cake. He brings it to his lips and munches on it, his eyes never leaving yours. How's the cake? It is so tasty. Oh, that's it. There's the killer instinct. Better than anything we got in that bush. Certainly is. Yes, I remember you. Good. I'd be offended if you didn't. I did not say I think of you often. I said no. I no. remembered you. No, that's, that's fine. How are the rest of the ding-dongs? He stares at you for a while, and you see his other hand squeezing into a fist as you hear his knuckles cracking. Um, he's got, like, some weird kind of, like, gang signs tattooed on his knuckles. Yes, the ding-dongs are well. How is he, crunk fuckers? Yeah, they're, um, they're good. Uh, daylight and a couple of brain cells short, as usual. Wit does not suit you. I don't know, we can't, both, your business. Do, we, we can't both do the punchline, dude. He just stares at you deadpan, taking another slow forkful of lemon drizzle cake. Some of it slips down and gets caught in his beard as he's acutely aware but doesn't want to do anything about it because he's too cool. It doesn't bat doesn't an eyelid. eyelid. He's, too, he's too cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. What, um, what interest do the, the Miley Ding Dongs have in, uh, in buying a boat? Roll me a persuasion check. Oh, I'm, oh I'm, I'm, I've made such a good decision. Oh, yes. 24. 24. He looks at you. You see, at first, his tongue just snakes out of his mouth, trying to find the crumb somewhere just beneath his bottom lip <laughs> as it latches onto it and just whips it back in like some sort of lizard as he's like, I will talk, but not to you, you little coward. I have no interest in talking to you. I will talk to her as he points his stubby little finger through the kitchen window at Maud. If you wish to talk, I will talk only to the beautiful sassy lady. Do not negotiate with cowards. Do I have any memory of why he thinks I'm a coward? Um, roll me a perception again. So perception, would it be? Um, yeah, history seems uh, a bit weird. Personal history? Uh, 11? No, you can't quite remember. You get the vague feeling that you didn't hold yourself with much integrity when you met them in the mess hall at Nutbush. But you can't remember any one thing you did. 
He seems adamant that he will only talk to the sassy blue demon. Can I hear him? No. From your point of view, you're what you're watching like you're watching Tatty silently through the window as suddenly the gnome's finger points at you as you're transfixed on the end of his point. Well, this 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 gritty and 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 uh, taciturn conversation is going on outside. Belsio's just in the kitchen saying, "I oh, see you've got those." You've got like the the big sink and a little sink. That's that's really useful because sometimes you you might have some tea in the teapot. And you need to pull that out, but you've got dishes in the big sink. It's that's a really good uh, good. I like that you've you've got that. That's that's a, that's that's really Is that useful. Called a Belfast sink. Yeah? Is it called a Belfast sink? I th- I th- I, it Belfast might. Sink? I, th- I think that might be what it's called. A Belfast sink. Yeah. As Roger walks up behind you, Belsia, he's like. I'm glad you've noticed all the little additions I've put in since retiring from the army. Home decor has been somewhat my hobby. I tell you what, you scary-looking crocobarn. How would you like to see my little hobby shed? I'd love to, Dad. I mean, Roger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this just got creepy. Fuck me. Just Roger will do. Just Roger. Jesus Christ. As he takes out a hanky and just rubs some sweat off his brow. Uh, you come with me as he walk as he walks you down the garden. Uh, they've got that weird shit that people have in little cottages, where like in and amongst the lawn are little stepping stones. Um, so there's like a little stone pathway. Um, as he walks you down, he's got like a crazy little shed at the end of his garden. As you both vanish into there, um, Maud, what are you doing? And Tatty, what are you doing? The gnome is refusing to talk to you, Tatty. Oh yeah, like if he if he doesn't want to talk to me, I'll 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 get up and um start to walk start to walk back to the cottage. Um but as I go past him I'll turn around and I'll say, I'll ask if she wants to talk to you, but if you try and hurt her, I'll fucking kill you from from inside that cottage and you won't even see it coming. Uh and then I'll head he back. He looks inside. at you and says, There is an honor amongst thieves. We do not hurt women. Children or poor. Everyone else is fair game. Yeah. You have my word. Also, try the lemon cake. It is chef's kiss. You have my word. Thank you. I'll um I'll ask uh I'll ask Marjorie to to slice slice us up a batch. <laughs> As you walk into the cottage, Tatty, you get there just in time to see Gatsby has turned up and is like, all right, um, like I said, as he walks over to Hanash, he's like, it's time to get slippery. <laughs> Come on. As Hanash and Gatsby go off for their oh. massage session that they booked in last episode, you see them walk out the front door of the cottage as um, Gatsby, the shopkeeper, and Hanash go to work some knots out of each other. Hanash telling you not to wait up. All right, I'll um, I'll head inside and I'll that takes care of him. I'll go I'll go talk to Maud. So uh, that gnome sat outside. Uh, would would I, I I guess he wants to talk to you? Like I don't know. I get a very creepy vibe. Whatever someone says that they would like to they they point very specifically at uh, uh, the the woman in the group and say that they would like to talk to them. So. If you if you wanna if you wanna ask him why he wants the boat, that'd be great. Otherwise, just have fun with it. And if something happens, just give us a signal, and we'll uh, 
will come out and, I don't know, kill him. Okay. But I would first like to know what the... So Maudie's like six foot, isn't she? Six foot something. Mm, yeah, so yeah, how yeah. Tall, how yeah. tall is this? This name and name. Three foot two. Probably. Okay. Uh, is he carrying any weapons? Can I like see? Um, make me an investigation check. Seventeen. Seventeen. Looking at him through the um, window of the kitchen, you, you, you know, you're you're wildly wise. As you look over at him, you see the following. He's got two daggers. One on each shoulder, pushed upwards into kind of scabbard so he can easily grab them off mm-hmm. his chest if he gets in a close fight. You notice he's got a bowler, which is like two weights on a piece of rope that you can um, take someone not out with, you, uh, attached to... Not where you his... beat from the eyes. Ebola. No? no, not Ebola. No, he hasn't, got, he hasn't got a small flask of Ebola. I like what you did there. No, do you know when the Ewoks take out the stormtroopers with Ebola, oh, yeah, they just yeah, have two rocks, rocks on a piece, on a piece of... of... Like rope. Yeah, one of them. And ironically, he's the same size as anyone. And um, you also see he's got a rather vicious-looking cocaine fingernail on his right hand. Seems legit. Mm. He obviously has a habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, oh, it's a Princess Leia connection. She also had a cocaine <laughs> fingernail, didn't she, in Return of the Jedi? Wow, sh- shout out to Carrie Fisher. <laughs> fine, that's fine. I wonder if they CGI'd on her cocaine fingernail when they read it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Anyway, yeah. So this little guy's got a cocaine fingernail, two daggers, and a bowler. Well, yeah, I'll go over. Um, I will take. I okay. will put Keith, secrete him in one of my pockets so that um, he's he's not vulnerable, and I'll go over. But I would like to take some lemon cake. As uh, you go to get the lemon cake, Marjorie's like, oh, you help yourself, dear. You're all skin and groans. Have yourself a nice slice. Go on, there's more where that came from. Also, don't forget the rhubarb wine. Yes. Don't think I forgot. She pours you a nice cool glass of rhubarb and wine. And I would like to as you take over some lemon cake on the table. And I'd like to take the bottle um, with the cake and the bottle of rhubarb wine. I'd like to go outside. As you just snatch the bottle away from her, Marjorie just turns around to Tatty. He's like, sassy bitch, isn't she? <laughs> I offered her a fucking glass, not the whole bottle. I will say thank you because I was raised, I was dragged up appropriately. So, <laughs> yeah, in that- an orphanage. Yeah. Right. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Right. So, um, yeah, more as you go to the table, you sit down. Um, as you see the gnome's eyes light up as he says, it is an honor to finally talk to you. I'd like to put my hand up to shake his weird little paw. He shakes your hand as he's like, As I suspected, you have very rough hands. You are a lady who understands violence. Not like that coward gnome with his smooth little fingers. <laughs> Off his fingers. I... Off his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so I'd, I'd just like to... Because um, I've got a dagger, I've just been through my inventory. I'd just like to show slightly more. Are you saying this to him? I've just been through my pockets and I do have a dagger. Well, I'd just like to like show it slightly, just to show that you know, I am threatening. Okay. Okay. You, so you just pull a little bit of your dagger out of the sheath as it glints in the sunlight as you push it back in. He just looks at you, he nods, 
says not a word. He doesn't look particularly intimidated, but he nods at you as he sees your dagger. So uh, I'd like to keep the short. I'd like to keep the small talk to a minimum. So I'd just like to raise my eyebrow and gesture for him to continue. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to gesture. He just looks at you and says, "Why have you come here?" I hear that the weather is very good at this time of year, and also Marjorie's cake is um, is folklore. Roll me a deception check. 20. 20? He just licks his lips a little bit. He's like, Marjorie's cake is very good, but we both know you are not here to sample Marjorie's wares. Did you come for the pot? Um, I'd like to say that... Yes. <laughs> yes. I appreciate a straight talker. I'm afraid I cannot let you have the boat. I'd like, at this point, I'd just like to offer him the wine on board. As you just slide the glass of wine over, he just chugs his cup of tea in a single sitting, as if it would impress you, and sips on the wine. As you two start negotiating, we're going to quickly pan away at this point to Belsiar. You're, you're in like a magical man cave of a shed at the end of the garden. As Roger walks around. You see there's almost got desks on like four sides and on each desk there's different equipment. Some of it's scientific, some of it's magical. There's various cobwebbed shelves um, up on the walls with various technical manuals. As Roger's like, welcome to my little paradise. It's where I get away from Marjorie. Bless her, she's lovely, but she does my nut in sometimes and I come down here to have a little tinker. Wait, wait, wait a minute, eh? Can't live with him. I well, I find your misogynistic views to be very backwards, but I like you nonetheless. Thanks, Roger. That's quite all right. So, what takes your fancy? As you look around, you see on one side you see like a filtration set with some chemicals going. On another side, you see like a weird kind of tin can, kind of put put putting with little bits of smoke coming out of it. Um, and on the far side, you see like, um, a circle of stones with various inscriptions on it. He's like, we've got lots of projects going on. Since I retired from the army, I've got a lot of time. What could take your interest? I, I see you're a man of science. I wonder if you might be able to help with, um, something I picked up a long time ago. Uh, if, if you give me a, if you give me a, a, a second to dig it out, would you, would you mind having a look? Well, I don't see why not. You've come here to do me a good turn and take the boat off us. I, I could have a look yeah. at it. Yeah. As long as it's not a rash on your groin. No. That's happened too many times. Fuck it, no Not this time, Roger. Uh, I, I open up my uh, backpack and I take out my feather token, short sword, plus two, half disguise, bedroll, boomerang, crowbar, three daggers, a dart, <laughs> half food gun, holy symbol, holy water, manacles, mess kit, mirror, musty medicals, dungarees. <laughs> Uh, oil flask, an orb, uh, rabbit's foot, rations, hope, seeds, a steak, tinderbox, torch, vial, vial of summoning, which contains the spirit of Algarandi, water skin, my we buy any weapon tote bag, and whip, uh, pan pipe, sequin tuxedo, candlestick holder, warhammer, and my little Albert flashy. And then I'm like, here it is. Here's what I was looking for. And it's a it's a felt box with mysterious scientific equipment inside. <laughs> right at the bottom of my pack. Can we can we just give Matt a round of applause for that? That was that was insane. 
well done. And I was, right, now you're going to make me go back through all, hang on. Yes. Sorry, I'm going to have to go back through my notes, listeners, as I was not ready for this. This is a pre, a pre-podcast deep cut. It is. Uh, it isn't. because Oh, it is. Yes, I know exactly where you got it from. Oh, you bastard. Yes. It's got, uh, it's got some letters on it, doesn't it? I believe it says JRM, but that might be Jacob Rees-Mogg. <laughs> AJ, was, AJ was feeling political that week. Yes, I'm explaining to Roger while this is going on. I, I think I got it from a locker in a in a in a airship terminal, if I recall. Um, it must have belonged to someone at some point. Right, he said after quickly improvising some shit off the top of his head. Roger looks at you and says, A JRM! I've not seen a genuine JRM in years! You know what this is, don't you? I, I, I don't. That's why I brought it to you, Roger. This is a thermometer, but it's used for measuring temperatures at great distances. You could measure the temperature of something from 200 feet away. Like a, like some kind of infrared thermometer. I don't know that kind of quackery, but it is indeed a Jablonski Rigglesby McTouche, one of ah, McTouche. the finest of. I don't know. They almost blend science and magic, but you gotta be very careful. Don't want to use it at close range. As he picks it up out the box and aims it at Marjorie's head <laughs> through the kitchen window from a uh, hundred meters, he's like. Look, if I've calibrated this correct, look, Marjorie is 23 degrees. She just exploded. Scientists, don't get in the comments. Yeah. As Tati, you just see a small hole burn through Marjorie's skull. I'm just I'm like, I'm sure, I'm sure that's normal. I'm sure you just see fine. a red beam come up Marjorie's forehead. Wow. No, uh, yeah, he's like, Jablonski Rigglesby McTouche. That's amazing. I've not seen one of these in years. You could do, do you know what? You could probably take it apart and recombine it and turn it into something else. You I was know. just wondering, yeah, if it can pick up heat, perhaps it can transmit heat. Oh my God. He just says, just, he literally just <laughs> smashes away the filtration with one arm, just swiping it off the side as he's like, new project, new project. Oh, crocker barn. This is exciting. Jesus Christ, a real JRM. Maybe we could weaponize yeah. it. What do you say? My name's Velsia. Um, that sounds... My, <laughs> my name's Squeals. Roger Squeals. As he just pumps your hand. Nice to meet you, Belsia. The, the Squeals Malfestiariac heat death ray gun is, is, is a go-go. Ah, uh, yes. rolls off the tongue. <laughs> the, the, the SM H the, 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 Wait, no, the Mayash Squealiac. Squealiac. 3000. Go, go back. Get some more cake, Tatty. We're doing science here. <laughs> um, right. As, as he's like, he looks at you and he says, Are you ready? This could get dangerous. I was, I was born ready. Oh, that, that kind of optimism always scares me. We're going to be doing precision work with a giant hammer. We don't have that kind of optimism available to us. Right. Let's be avenue. 
as he draws you into the worktop. Right, we're going to leave you there. We're going to leave Maud chatting to the, the gnome. We're going to pick up with Tatty as Rosemary puts an arm around you. As you look over and you just see uh, Winifred, the Pomeranian, and Barbara having great fun just playing hide-and-seek with Picato as Picato is chasing them around the sofa. Picato's picked up one of the brands out of the fire and the end of it is glowing red as he's just charging around the sofa chasing um, Barbara and Winifred, the Pomeranian. Uh, Marjorie puts an arm around you, Tatty, forces a slice of cake into your hand and sits you down on the sofa. Uh, as you look at the kids just running around the sofa repeatedly, she's like, oh, you look like you could do with a rest. You look tired. Yeah, uh, I'm always tired. It's um, it's it's part of the life. It's fine, though. Uh, the cake is appreciated. I'll, uh, I'll She hands I'll... you a uh, little saucer and a little bone china tea with, like, several sugars in it. She's like, I only say it because I can see a sadness in your eyes. That's all too familiar to me. I recognize it from Raja. Raja was in the military, and when he retired, all that was left was a sadness in his eyes. Mm. I see that same sadness in your eyes. You're carrying a weight on your shoulders, and no mistake in it. We sign up to, I don't know, I signed up when I was very young, but we sign up to, to have our uh, decency and humanity filed away enough so that we can, so that we can kill someone, kill some, you know, whoever's across from us in the trenches. Um, but they don't, they don't tell you what you're supposed to do when you, when you, when you get out, or if, if the things that you were, or if the things that you were told to do were for the right reasons. Um, you, you don't know. But hey, that's what that's what therapy's for. I don't think you've had therapy. You can't lie to me. You're a clever one, Marjorie. It's not just the uh, it's not just the great cake. Got a great ass as well, Marjorie. <laughs> I will not say anything about Marjorie's about Marjorie's ass. That feels that feels that feels different. Uh, feels it would ruin this moment. <laughs> Leave Marjorie's ass out of this. It's already difficult having a heart to heart whilst two dogs and a potato run around the sofa. As Marjorie looks at you and says. Look, I know, I know more than anyone. We had a son and we lost him in the war. Sammy squeals. He went off to serve his country and he did not come back. And not a day goes by where I don't see that sadness in Roger's eyes. He just goes down the end of the garden. I don't know what he does. Or I don't, I don't know. I'm glad you can talk about it. Because I see all these people, as she points around at all your friends, they don't carry the same weight you do. Mm. Yeah, we're um, we're from different we're from different places. It, sometimes I imagine what what some of these guys would be like if they'd come up in the if they'd come up in the military or if they tried to come up in the military. But you know they wouldn't be who they are now if they if they had gone in the military. It's um, no, I don't suppose they would do. But it's the making of great people. Our Roger, I wouldn't have him any other way. He might cry himself to sleep at night. And he might vanish into the shed for hours at a time. But he's such, he's been a, he's been a shelter to me when I've needed him. And I know he's done things. I think sometimes he looks down and all he can see is the blood on his own hands. And the guilt for sending his own son into the military. But these are the things that make us as people. More cake? As she um, cracks open a tin that has um, 
orange-flavoured flapjack in it as she gives you an unhealthy portion of it. Oh, go on then. Thank you. Thank you, Marjorie. As we pan round, leaving Tatty and Marjorie having a heart-to-heart, we pan round to... We'll just quickly just point out that Toad Flaps is um, pushing Aristobulus on a swing as they're both giggling because uh, they've got to be doing something. Hanash is... We quickly pan to Hanash, who is squealing as Gatsby pops knots out of his back and uh, all greased up. Both of them are pretty greasy and slippery at this point. As we pan back to Maud, uh, sitting at the table, negotiating with the Tamali Ding Dong Gnome. Mm-hmm. He looks at you and says, did you come to try and take the boat away? Am I aware of his relationship with Tati? Yes, you were there. Um, no, no. Uh, we just we just came to make an offer on the boat. Um, so we, we're going to make an offer on the boat. And I sweetly smile again and offer him more wine. He takes the wine and necks it in one go as he's like, you will not make an offer on the boat. Tito Minute wants the boat for his business operations. There will be no other counter offer. I just smile sweetly at him. Um, I'd like to take Keith out of my pocket and put him on the tabletop, out of his reach. Keith comes out of your pocket looking slightly hungover. Keith's just got like a pallid look to him as he's coming down off the whiskey you gave him last episode. He's just got like the kind of hangover sweats as Keith just kind of like two eyes going in different directions just goes cling, cling, cling onto the table with his iron armour. The gnome is like, you do not intimidate me with your weaponized sugar glider. Has he finished drinking? Yes. I'd like to take the bottle, smash it on the table and stab him. Okay. (laughs) Hmm. Interesting. Right. Make... In the neck. (laughs) No gurgling. Yeah. This is an interesting one. Sorry, I'm just thinking about how best to... Yeah... Before you ask... It's about speed and dexterity. Before, before you ask, Maud is obviously proficient with a, with a bottle of wine as a saying. weapon. Let's, 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 let's not even ask that. The wine was to pacify him. The sugar glider was to distract him. <laughs> distract him. And also, and also distract AJ. It's like a false flag. It's <laughs> <laughs> a real battle. I would like us to both make... We're both going to make opposing dexterity checks, right? Okay. So which which uh, dice am I rolling? Dexterity, D-E-X. Then the saving throws mm-hmm. at the top. 16. Good. Pretty good. You got 23. Okay. As you smash the wine glass on the table and swing it towards him, his tiny little hand grabs your wrist, holding it in a vice-like hold as the piece of glass stops in front of his face as he squeezes to the point where your grip loosens and the bottle hits the table and rolls off to the side. As he says, I respect violence. It is the language of the criminal underworld. But I did not come here to fight. Think of Marjorie and Roger. We would not want to see blood spilt on their Kath Kidston table spread. Okay. I respect that. Other Table spreads are available. Uh, I nod um, sagely, and, and I I respect that. I did have I did have lots of other plans that I could murder him. He looks at you and says, "We have not been introduced, by the way. My name is El Cascabel." I'd like to. Well, my name is Maud, and this is Keith. <laughs> Excellent. Listen, 
Tito Manute wants the badge for his business interests. Why? What's, what's, what's wrong with... Sorry, why do you want this boat? There must be lots of other boats. Why do you want this boat? Do you know how much Hagabis you can buy for three million gold pieces? Is that... Is Hagabis more or less than crack cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> he looks at you and said, How big of a house could I get for three million gold? How many bedrooms near the coast can I get? <laughs> he looks at you deadpan in the face and goes, Well, everything here is a holiday cottage, so not very much. But if we went to one of these small rural mining towns, you could probably buy the entire fucking place for three million. Anyway, the point being, my crime lord needs to move considerable amounts of Hagabis. Hagabis can only be moved by sea. Very volatile. What? I understand that. Also, it is quite hard to find a clean barge these days. How much are you offering? I am not here to tell you how much I'm offering because you will outbid me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Worth a try. I'd like to stunned, stunned at the thought that I would ever do that. I did not step off the horse this morning. No. I have galloped around <laughs> the neighborhood many times. I am an experienced I'm good at horse riding. <laughs> I jumped majestically from the horse. Uh, am, I, am I able to, to flirt with him a little bit? Clearly I can't move. Oh, dear God. <laughs> uh, yes, sure, make me. I've, n- I've always wanted to say this. Make me a performance check, because that's technically charisma. And flirting is all about a performance and charisma. Even Chris Neal's looking like he's actually agreeing with my random decision for once. Although I'm I'm confused because you make it sound like you never ask for a performance check where it's it's kind of it's kind of like your go-to skill. I'm confused because my charisma's at the top. Yeah. You've got a bunch of like base abilities. Mm. Yeah, you've got strength, dexterity, constitution, uh, intelligence, wisdom, uh, and charisma. And then they manifest into skill checks. Ninety nine percent of the eighteen. I'm a sexy beast. What do you want? Oh god. Just leaning forward, you run one of your blue fingers up one of his tattooed knuckles as he stares at you, slightly quivering for the first time. He just goes, Ooh la la, now the negotiation begins. As we're going to leave Maud there flirting with a gnome and uh, we're going to pan to Belsia, you and Roger in the shed. With the Jablonski Rigglesby Muktoosh um, long distance thermometer, are you wanting to turn this into some kind of weapon? Yeah. Doesn't have to be a, a death ray, but I mean, a death ray would be very nice if we can. See, Roger, I'm often in situations where I need to, uh, let's say, reach out and touch someone from a distance <laughs> and, and make them go on fire. <laughs> Roger looks at you and just says, All that I ask is that you don't use it for evil, all right? You want to kill people with it? That's fine. As he points over in the corner, he's like, Look at this. I turned my lawn trimmer into the wheel of death. <laughs> um, as you see, he's just like retrofitted his lawnmower into some sort of siege weapon. As he's like, Don't tell Marjorie. She gets a bit snippy if I use my soldiering skills. So you were... Uh... But yeah, if you want to turn... Guys, it needs real therapy. Real therapy. Did you kill many people in the army, Roger? Are you ready 
you just see his left eye goes twitchy. He's like, uh, his eye sort of does that like weird thing. It's pretty much like spinning in its socket as he's like, no, 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 no. You can tell no. me, Roger. I love these old war stories. We're, we're not going to be talking about my time in the military today. No, sir. I did what my country asked of me. Those nasty little goblins, they were taking up their own country. So they weren't, they weren't doing a good job of running their own country. So they sent us in just to shore things up because, um, you know. God, that sounds funny. Roger. Yeah. We're not going to talk about this right now. Maybe we could talk about this in a follow-up podcast. Let's focus on the death ray. Right. Yeah, let's focus on the death ray. You don't want to make this too political. As his eye stops twitching, as he just takes out a spotted handkerchief and just wipes his sweaty brow. All right. Good. Glad we had that little bit talk. As he's like, all oh, right. Would you like to do the honors, or shall uh, I? I, I? Just sidebar. I thought I, I, I thought Maud had a tin of hot dogs. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't put anything past Chanel. I thought you were going to put a cold <laughs> tin hot dog. I once walked into Chanel cooking. She was just eating raw mints out of the packet. Like I've nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah, you once caught me eating cold macaroni and cheese out of my claw. Oh, no, it wasn't. That was, that, that was a sausage pie I'd made out of mashed potato, and I came back and you were just eating cold mashed potato using your acrylic <laughs> nails. It was spectacular. Um, this is... Never been more attracted in my life. Green, and, green olives stuffed with anchovy paste. That's okay. Wow. So Roger's like, all right, we need to crack this device open. So, would you like to do the honors, or shall I? Oh, I'll give a, I'll give a, a, a crack, Roger. <laughs> All right, that's what I like to hear. As he pulls open a drawer, and you just see like lots of different um, screwdrivers, like bolt cutters, wrenches. It's got all sorts of. I can keep. I can keep going. I know all the, all. the manual tools that the tradesmen use. An awl, yes, that no one has ever used, ever. Uh, there's also a junior hacksaw with the safety guard on it. Um, right. He's like, you have at it. As you can do whatever you want, uh, you get the contraption in front of you, he locks it in a vice, and uh, if you make me a sleight of hand check, you're now going to try and deconstruct a Jablonski Rigglesby McTouche machine. Six. Six. Good, right? As you start going at it, you get the first screw out as he's like, bingo. As you go to the second one, the screwdriver slips and you keep on applying pressure as you, you shred the um, grip on the, on the screw, the thread, as, as he's like, oh boy. Okay. Um, that's not um, checks, check spells, check spells. Can I make like a... I don't want to make a big thing out of this, but this does have a very sensitive core. If we get this wrong, all I'm saying is, you know, thermonuclear explosion, end of the world kind of cataclysmic event. So just be careful, all right? I'm not very handy, Roger. It might be better if you do the... Uh, I'll, I'll do the thinking. You do the, the grunt work. How about that? Okay, okay, well, okay. Like he that. makes us... Roger makes a sleight of hand check. Roger gets a 23 with sleight of hand. As 
You look around, you just see he's pulled down an oxyacetylene mask as he's like, <laughs> as he's like, you stand back. As he just goes to it, as he goes, ting, 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 just like taking all the screws off as they melt off, as it cracks open and you just see in the middle of all the different cogs and bits, there's just like a glowing crystalline core that's pulsating red. As he's like, we need to be careful now. As he lifts up his welder's mask, he's like, one wrong sneeze and you'll be wearing your internal organs on the outside. I reckon, I guess I'm, I'm telling Roger this, I reckon if we, if this takes heat in and measures it, if we turn it around and maybe super glow a mirror somewhere, we can turn that heat around and make it come out and, and, and blast things. He looks, he goes, I think Marjorie might have a small mirror in her makeup bag. Would you like sure. to go and ask her? I'll, I'll be right on it. She'll never miss it. As you make your way back up over there, you make your way back into the house quickly behind the sofa. Make me a quick sleight of hand check to steal the... Are you assuming my, my, first, my first action would be to rifle through this woman's handbag? Because you're right. Yes. <laughs> uh, eight. Eight. Um, as... You, you, you've almost got it as Picato slams into you as he's running around, as you stumble backwards, spilling the makeup everywhere, as you literally just force the makeup back into the bag, put it back, uh, higgledy piggledy. As you look over, you just see Picato is now eating the lipstick as you run off, um, back down, holding the makeup mirror back down to Marjorie. Tatty, we're going to pick up with you on the sofa quickly with, with Marjorie as, as she's like, I'm glad you're sharing your feelings. You don't look like a man who shares his feelings very often. No, I mean, I'm quite happy to do so if people ask. I'm not going to just vent them on vent them on people for no reason. On the um, on the subject of us with a with a military past, Marjorie, I um, I'm going to lean in a little bit closer to her while I'm just finishing off the the piece of flapjack that she gave me. And I'm going to say I don't know if. I don't know if Roger feels the same way, but we have we have a I don't know it's something that we can't really get away from when we've when we've been in the service. But we have a bit of a, a sixth sense for um, for people that might not be who they appear to be, or might be uh, trying to hide something. The 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 man who's outside, I I believe I've met him before, and it. It wasn't in a very savory place. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where whereabouts the sofa is oriented, like compared to the window. Like, can I see Maud outside? Or no, no, you're you're in the front room. Um, it's an open plan kitchen. The walls being knocked out and go straight through into like a front room, so you can see the kitchen. You can see the window, but you, I, I don't think you'd have a particularly good view of Maud. You're aware you'd you'd be able to hear her because the door's open if she screamed, but yeah. I think if I think I'm like probably uh, every so often in the conversation, I'll be like hoisting myself up on the sofa to like look over the back of it to like see if I can get a view out the window. Um, mm, okay. I I I I don't want. I'm not. You know. I'm not here to judge who he might be or what his past is. I just uh, I I worry for yours and Roger's safety more than anything. As you lean in close to tell her this, you find her perfume intoxicating. It smells a little bit like a Christmas Eve vermouth 
with all the spices and fine florals just washing over you. As she looks at you, she says, Oh, that's so sweet. You don't have to worry about us. Roger might look like a softy, but my God, some of the things he says in his sleep. Fuck me. I tell you, he once killed a man with a rubber. <laughs> yeah, he rubbed a man off until he died. Fucking mental. <laughs> but anyway, you don't worry about us. <laughs> That's like some Antichrist shit. <laughs> Roger erased him. Good and proper. As she looks at you, she's like, Look, all I want to say is, if you met him in some unsavory place, that means you were also in the same unsavory place. True. Remember, when you point a finger at someone, you got three fingers pointing back at you. As she points her hand at you with the three fingers pointing back. I don't, I, I, I'm only 75% sure that you've got that saying right, Marjorie, but I take your point. <laughs> I, you know, I just want to, I just wanted to make sure that, I just wanted to make sure that, that you, you guys are safe. Oh, I appreciate that. Look, all we really want to do is sell the boat. If we sell the boat, we, we're going to buy a caravan. We're going to do a little bit of traveling. Oh, that's nice. Whereabouts, whereabouts are you planning I to, where, have you got somewhere in particular, uh, in mind or are you just anywhere and everywhere? Oh, anywhere and everywhere, just as the wind takes us, really. I thought we'd do a bit of, you know, like a food holiday. We'd just sample different dishes. But anyway, we get off topic. It's been lovely having you here, but we might have to turn this into a bidding war. If there's two of you, mm-hmm. we don't know. Depends who's willing to pay a better price. Good. I mean, it's 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 all the better for, for you and Rog. More uh, more spending money. Oh, don't don't call him Rog. He don't like being called Rog. Thank you for the inside knowledge, Marjorie. Uh, I'll, he I'll will keep snap. That, I'll, I'll keep that between us. Rog is a man who likes to keep his shit together, but I have seen him snap. And... Uh, Ooh, trust me, don't call him Raj. Okay, and um, we're going to leave you quickly there. We're going to quickly pan to Maud, who's currently got, like, flirting with uh, with El Cascabel. Um, so I'm getting on well, then. I didn't say that. I said, um, he said, ooh la la. Um, I'd like to ask him what I would need to do to uh, to distract him long enough so that we could pay for the, uh, pay for the boat and leave. You want to ask him what you would have to do to distract long him? Long enough for him to pay for well, long enough so that we could leave with the boat. Oh, I've got a game plan. I have a game plan. Okay. Um, make me a persuasion check. Even I don't know where this is going, listeners. Very confused. I assume the wine bottle's involved somehow. <laughs> Perception. But not in the way you think. <laughs> boom, boom. Um, boom, boom. Persuasion. 20. 20? Yeah, you're flattering your eyelids, your tail is just flicking backwards and forwards, and even Keith is batting his eyelids at El Cascabel. Um, As you start whispering sweet nothings at him, as the potency of the rhubarb wine is starting to kick in, he looks at you and says, I am willing to listen to offers. I'd like to start talking to him about the... um about the amazing honey that the bees have. What bees? Well, I've got, got belch packs, backpacks, haven't I? Filled with bees. Beehive. As you turn around and expose your beehive to him, he's both horrified and fascinated at the same time. 
as he can just see honey dripping out of your hive hole. So me and Matt need to be here for this. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that where... Is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about beekeeping. Isn't that what happens? Don't you turn the hive sideways and all the honey drips out the hive hole? It's like a pot that's just full of honey. I think that's how it works. Full of, just full of honey. You turn it sideways. Isn't it a clay jar that just says honey on yeah. it? Just let gravity do the work. Some of you have had maids and it shows. <laughs> we went well off enough about honey. What, what are you talking about? One of us complains when we buy bread with fucking seeds in it. Ah, oh, can only eat basic white bread. <laughs> Mighty white or nothing. Outside of the realms of D&D, if you're going to make a bacon sandwich, do you want your bread to have shitty seeds in it? Oh, shitty seeds? How dare you besmirch seed sensation? It's a wonderful batch loaf, full of all the vitamins and minerals that you need. I want to be need. chewing on seeds. I want bacon and bread. Dead pig and bread. Anyway. Bacon, bread, brown sauce. Yes. Or maybe bread. Did I say seeds? Yeah. Did I stutter? <laughs> Let me just finish this once and for all. We'll take your shitty slice of white bread and we'll take my slice of seed sensation. We'll go into the garden and we'll plant it. We'll water it. What do you think happens? Well, one of them's got seeds in. Yeah. One of, the, one of them's just bread. Yeah. Mine turns into a veritable fucking cornucopia of, like, fauna. Literally, the Garden of Eden springs I love you, up. But they fucking won't because they baked, you moron. <laughs> well, you, all you're going to get is soggy toast. Also, this has this has big. My dad can beat up your dad energy. <laughs> oh, just saying. Yeah, scream for a fucking oven. It's nothing's going to come out of that. <laughs> anyway. Ah, oh, dear God, my dad can make your dad redundant. <laughs> That's the southern version. Oh. of my dad, My dad your owns dad. your dad's coal mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've just checked. We've been cancelled. Sorry, <laughs> right, guys. Ah, uh, excellent. Right, getting back at it. Where the fuck did we get to? Um, Maud, you were hitting on him, and then... Showing him the uh, beehive. Oh, yeah, the, the honey dripping out the hive hole. Yep, as he's like, uh, he, he's like, oh, what is it that uh, you are trying to achieve here? So I'd like to take some of the honey with my finger and I'd like to put it on his mouth, put it on his little lips. This is peak mauled flirting here. Like, there's an aim to it. <laughs> sure, okay, right, yep. Um, as you wipe honey across his lips, he just stares at you, slightly shocked. What is the point of this flirting? Cut as he chase. So I would then like to very quickly grab a handful of bees, shove them in his mouth and hold his mouth closed. Make me a, again, we'll have an opposed dexterity check to see who can move fast. Dexterity. Oh, dear. Dex is it. Oh, dear, listeners. Trying my hardest to be clever here. No, 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 you're doing great. Fifteen. Yeah, he got eight. So uh, you slam a fistful of honey and bees into his mouth, clamping his mouth shut as you see his eyes go wide, as he starts shaking and convulsing, as you clamp his jaw down. He's now quivering as you hear like uh, a noise. He goes, as he like shakes and tweaks and like turns. Nobody notices because you're the only people. After a while, a single line of blood drips out of one nostril as a bee comes 
straight out of his nostril and flies off. Yay! As El Cascabel goes limp in your hands, his face falling forward and slamming into the lemon drizzle cake, splattering cake across the table spread. And I'd like to peel him away from the cake. <laughs> cake is so good. I'd like to peel him away from the cake and then I'd like to package up the cake quite neatly and put the cake into my um, to my itinerary, into my, into my bag. Well, I mean, as you lift him up, the plate is still attached to his face via cake. It, the cake has just been pebble-dashed across the table. There's nothing left of it. Oh. <laughs> Okay. You can't have everything. You can't kill a man with bees and then have cake I'll, afterwards. You um, can't literally have your cake and eat it too. Boom, boom. Yeah. Boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. I'll scoop up Keith on the table. Yes. Um, put it back into my pocket. And we both um, we both just assess the damage. And we, we then go and find Tati. As you look at Keith, Keith has a little shocked look on his face. It's the first time he's seen his mum commit murder. Uh, it's not pretty. <laughs> Won't be the last. Yeah. Uh, you, you assess, well, you're just looking at a, a member of a gnome gang lying face down on the table. Yeah. He's napping. Honey, honey dripping out of both nostrils. And blood. And blood. Honey and blood. He's napping. Blood and honey. He's napping. Okay. 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 We're quickly going to pan back. We're going to leave you with the corpse of El Cascabel, uh, in the garden. Uh, we're going to pan quickly to Belsiar. You see in front of you, uh, you and Roger see the, um, the, the, the parts of the JRM machine and the glowing core as you now have Marjorie's makeup mirror as you need to reconstruct it back into a device that is now going to emit heat rather than. Yeah, just put the mirror on top of it and get a hammer and just bash it. <laughs> no, no, I don't do that. Um, but you could. End of campaign one. <laughs> End of continent. Um, Total campaign kill. Just <laughs> everybody on the western seaboard. Do I mean? I guess just idly making chit chat of Roger. I guess I'm like, is this like a? Um, um, have you ever read those star 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 travel books? Um, which are very popular. In one of them. I think they uh, quite often they have their little uh, heat ray guns, and sometimes they set them to overcharge, and they're like little grenades. I bet you could do that with one of these as well. As he's like, oh boy, you mean those like choose your own adventure novels? As he walks over and moves some technical manuals out of the way, he's like, oh my god, I'm a massive fan of Pony Trek too. <laughs> That's phenomenal, but we don't have time. For your reference to children's literature. Yes. All right. We need to reconstruct the mirror, the core. We need to put this back together, preferably without vaporizing my retirement cottage, the village surrounding it, and half the ocean on the western seaboard. So, would you like to do it, or shall I? Maybe we can do it together, Rog. Well, you didn't like being called Rog. As you see, he goes, he's got two, like, big leather gloves on as he picks the core up as you call him rog as you see his hands shaking as he holds it his eye twitching again sorry can i can i call you rog rog old rog you see he's now got the core in one hand as he just 
takes his leather glove, pulls his spotted handkerchief away, and just starts swatting at his brow. Oh. Can, can I help? Raj. You could help. Oh, sure, you could help. Oh, I um, Here, put that glove on, as he gives you one of the gloves. And you take this, as he hands you the glowing core of the JRM machine. I need you to make me a sleight of hand check. Well, I'm going to have one good roll. Eighteen. <laughs> Eighteen. As everyone is now sweating, as he moves the core into your hand, calmly placing it, he then starts doing some jiggery-pokery with the mirrors and contraptions, and you, you see him tinkering away with little hammers and screwdrivers as, he, as he's just mumbling away to himself, as he's like, right, if we turn it around like this, and then if we inverse the polarity on it, and then we change the flanger so that it's inert rather than active, I think maybe we could, as he's like, oh, could you just put your finger on this? Yeah, sure. As you hold onto a little nozzle, as he's like, we think maybe, as both of you need to make me a survival check. One. Ooh, 12. 12. Uh, he got an 18 as he puts, slips the core into place as it's held inside like a um, spherical steel drum. As he clamps the lid on, as he closes it, it engages, blowing a beam of energy through the top of his shed. <laughs> as you both look up at the clouds, as he's like, We'll take that as a successful outcome. All we need to do now is stabilize it and find me a new shed to the roof or roof to the shed even. Well, we'll just go around for find some uh, roof makers and point point it at them until they uh, fix the roof. This this, this little thing solves it. <laughs> now I told you for ethical reasons, don't be using this for evil. There's enough evil in this world, and don't you get me wrong, I've seen it, and sometimes I've been on the end of that evil. But we said we were going to use this for good. I was only only joking. It is for good, technically. It's getting you you a new roof. Yeah. Come on, Raj. It'll be for for emergencies only, and good emergencies only. He's basically like, do you want to give it a go? As he hands it to you, it's now... um, it's now a chrome finish. Um, it's almost like uh, spherical core on top of a pistol grip, and the front of it looks a little bit like a pair of bellows. And as you squeeze the trigger, the bellows come together as he's like, don't forget the safety catch, as he points out where the safety catch is. As he, he's basically like, do you see that oak tree over there? Yes, I do. There is a... Hornet's nest. Can you see it on that branch over there? Yeah, I can see it, Roger. Oh, excellent. Oh, so good. Willing to suspend disbelief. <laughs> That's fantastic. You make a role player out of you yet, Belsia. As he's like, you see it? You see it? That hornet's nest is too high for me. Do you reckon you could? There you go. Do, do, proof of concept. Um, as you try and familiar yourself, you now what I'm going to do is I'm going to homebrew you. Um, some proper rules for this, but for the time being, just for shits and giggles just make me a pure roll uh 
Roll me a d20 and add your proficiency modifier. 15. 15. Not bad. As you aim, closing one eye, you squeeze the trigger, the bellows come together and a beam of energy <laughs> fires out of it, hitting the, hitting the hornet's nest, vaporizing it and blowing the branch off the tree as a ginormous flaming branch falls out of the oak tree onto the ground in front of you. As he's like, Jesus wept. Under no circumstances are you allowed to use this device for evil. All right? A hundred percent. I need you to be very careful with it. It is a prototype. I cannot guarantee that it will not backfire. This is... So use it sparingly and use it wisely. Can 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 I get your name on it, Roger? I think it, it needs... If you sign your name on it, and then I'll remember not to do evil with it. Or I feel like then if I do, you do something wrong with it, then they'll come looking for me because it'll say Roger Squeal. Just your first name, just, just Roger S. Or even a monogram like R.S. <laughs> not writing a fucking address on it. Jesus Christ, Roger. As you see, uh, he just takes like, uh, like a sharpened awl and you see him like finally chiseling away as um, he comes back and hands it to you and it just says the squeal beam on it. The squealinator. <laughs> the squealer. The squeal beam. The squealer. Okay, the squealer. As it just says, the squealer. Roger, you've you've made a you've made an old crocodile very happy today. Oh, that's all right. And just be very careful with it. And he goes, put it back in the case, and we don't tell Marge. Okay. Mum's the word. Okay. Look, she's a lovely cook, but she don't half worry about me. So maybe we don't talk about all this, you know. Weaponry. Just maybe tell her you'd love some of her flapjack. Cost. Excellent. As he puts it back in the case, he edits the case slightly. He, he like, you know, fashions the case so that it now fits in. You have the purple case with JRM on it. As you put it away, we will homebrew you some suitable rules for it. But duly noted, it is a prototype weapon and it may backfire and kill you all. I'd be unhappy if it didn't. As you make your way back up the garden path, Roger looks ahead of you and is like, Oh, look at that! Our gnome friends had a bit too much to drink. They can't take their drink, those gnomes. Oh, hang on, I'm a gnome. (laughs) Wow. Feels weird to be saying your own race, Roger. (laughs) (laughs) Roger's like, I saw a lot in the war. Sometimes I forget. (laughs) Interesting. Is he, like, very obviously dead, or...? Uh, make me a perception check. I'm still there with him, though, aren't I? Oh, yeah. I guess that'll be my next question. Uh, 12. Yeah, yeah, go on. It's a low bar. He is dead, but the bees that are all in his mouth are still buzzing around, which makes his jaw slightly twitch occasionally, Uh, just making it look like he's still moving. Guys, guys, we can't do a weekend at Bernie's. We can't. We just can't. We just. We j- we uh, we just can't. <laughs> weekend at Beanies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God. Good Lord. Dear God. As right, how would you like to play it out from here? Um, Tati, you're obviously talking to to Marjorie Belsia. You've you've got your weapon. You've put it away. You and Roger are kind of free. Maud, 
you've just covered up uh, murder. Mm-hmm. You've now got nobody opposing you. Well, I was going to ask if when uh, what's-his-name was getting uh, stung to death El internally, if, if I heard anything or saw anything, if I was trying to keep an eye on, if I was trying to keep an eye on out the window. Um, yeah, let's retrospectively make me a perception check. Woo! Uh, 24. Yes, you were aware something was going on. You, 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 like you said, you'd already said, you know, you kept on like casting a glance backwards and scooching up in the sofa. Mm. So, uh, yes, you somehow managed to, on a 24, I'll say for the sake of the rule of cool and narrative and just to move things along, you were aware that Maud was committing manslaughter. No, murder. Sorry to any lawyer out there. You were aware that Maud was committing murder and you still managed to keep small talk up and keep Marge going. I think if, uh, and as much as I know you, I uh, know you're going to scream retcon at me. Um, I think I will keep the conversation going with Marjorie for another few minutes. Okay. And then I will excuse myself and casually go outside and say, I'm going to check on Maud and, uh, and El Cascabel. So as we do that, just quickly ending that little chapter with, with Marjorie, she's like, Oh, you would just like to thank you for opening up. I know it isn't easy. It's a journey. And we all go on it. And some of us are at different points on that journey. But for you, I feel like you've opened up and you've shared. And I think I think you'll find the peace you're looking for one day. As she just leans forward and is like, would I be remiss in asking for a hug? Uh, I mean, I was going to go in for a very warm handshake first. But uh, as as she's asked for a hug, I'll give her a hug. So you do that classic thing. You put your arm out and she comes in and your arm just gets bent sideways as she hugs you. Yeah. I take psychic damage from the awkwardness. (laughs) (laughs) Take three points of psychic damage from the awkward social exchange. Let me roll 5d6 psychic damage for the social awkwardness. God, there's so much awkwardness. Uh, So much. Uh, That's, that's, they're all sixes. Uh, I'm dead. Uh, And you're dead. No. Nosebleed. As you bone for a hug, she squeezes you tight, and once again, you're you're overwhelmed by the aroma of her kind of her perfume is intoxicating, just like just just really soaks into all your eyes, ears, nose, and every other orifice you have. You're just blown away. What did you say it smelled of? Like a Christmassy vermouth. Just imagine all the warm spices and aromas. And then the lovely botanicals washing around. As you try and steer her away from the fireplace in case she immolates as she's wearing so much perfume. As you see now, all the kids have worn themselves out. You see Barbara lying on her side snoring. And then you see Winifred, the um, Pomeranian, and Picato are just nuzzled into Barbara. And they're all snoring away as you pick up the firebrand. And which is burning a small hole in the carpet as you just put it back in the fireplace. Yeah. And you're all done and free with, with Marjorie. Right. What, do, what are all of you doing? Can I ask Marjorie for some moist flapjack? And wink suggestively. I want to use the word moist to describe flapjack. Sure you can. Jesus Christ. They really should. Marjorie looks at you and she goes, Oh, you've heard of my flapjack. I've heard, of, I've heard a lot of it. Its reputation precedes your, itself. Your flapjack precedes you. But Marge. Oh. Can I call you Marge? If you must. 
Mags. Mackie. So you'll be having some of my sticky flap. Uh, (laughs) No one say anything. No one say anything. Just let him get the giggles out. (laughs) (laughs) She takes out a good wedge of sticky flapjack. She's like, there you go. Orange flavoured. You you have a good munch on that. Thank you, Mrs. Wheel. <laughs> That's quite all right, Belsia. A schoolboy at heart. <laughs> <laughs> Love the way we're just getting a disgusted shake of the head from uh, Chanel here, listeners. You can't see? Right. Now that you're all gathered around, um, Marjorie's like, oh, look, the gnome. He's having a little lie down. God, maybe maybe that rhubarb wine was stronger than I thought it was. I think so. Oh, God. Right. Well, if he's not here to negotiate, then I guess it's just you with the barge. I think we said a thousand gold pieces, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's the price we put in the advert, Roger. As Roger is still, like, scrubbing some soot off, he's like, what? Oh, yes, no, yeah, yeah. As Roger's like, a thousand gold pieces, that's what we said. Trying to move Marjorie away from the window so that she doesn't notice the hole in the roof of the shed <laughs> and the fact one of the branches of the oak tree is now on the floor. Everyone's playing like zone defense with Marjorie in her own home, like trying to keep her away from the, like keep her away from the fire. No, keep her away from the shed. No, keep her away from the gnome. Everyone's playing fucking keep away with this old woman in case she immolates herself. Well, there we go. Right, as as she's like, um, how would you like to pay? Maud pulls out the beehive and... Uh, what? <laughs> no. no. Let's pay in honey. Patty's just going to pull out uh, a thousand gold and just say, this is, it's a perfectly acceptable price um, and we will happily pay it to, to take the boat. She looks at you, she's like, I don't want to make a big thing out of this, because the day is getting on. But you are willing to pay a thousand gold pieces for a boat you've never seen. Would you at least like a fucking tour of the boat before you give me the cash? Well, I well, uh, I assumed that with six minutes to go, if I did that, that AJ would start fucking, fucking getting passive-aggressive with me. Why not? Let's have a little tour of the boat. Let's see what happens. Oh, you'd be amazed what I could do in six minutes. You, re- as Roger's like, not now, Marjorie, not now. Wow, calm down, Marge. As you go out uh, of the front gate, they're not far from. Uh, if you were to look on the map, they're not far from uh, like a little um, marina on the edge. Um, so as you as you walk into the marina, there's not really that. There's only about ninety odd people who live in this bloody village. There's only a handful of boats. As you see a flat bottom barge, uh, like a sea barge, which is used for trafficking containers and stuff like that. Um, it's of a good size and is seaworthy. You see on the side in, in lovely kind of like, um, loopy stencils, uh, like looping font. It says Lady Luck. And yeah, it's a good boat. It looks seaworthy. It's got to be about 30 feet in length. It's a decent length. It's got, like, at the back, there is, like, a little pod where you steer it, which is covered and has windows and a roof. And then, yeah, it projects out about 20 feet further. There's about 30 feet in length. There's about 10 foot worth of kind of, like, engine room and driving space at the back. And then it projects 20 feet out on, on – it's just got, like, a flat area on the barge where you can load in containers. 
and, and stuff like that. And she's like, a steel? Roger keeps it in great nick. He's a good little engineer. So it's fully like, it's like a an, an engine-powered boat, let's say, not like a, not one that's purely, purely reliant on the wind. That is a very, very good question. She's like, yeah, Roger knocked it together. It runs off um, vegetable oil. Interesting. So uh, all you'll be needing is vegetable oil to keep this thing running. But I tell you what, because you're a good customer and because you're paying in cash and we won't have to pay tax, we will uh, we'll throw in four drums of vegetable oil. That'll keep you going on your first adventure. That seems more than reasonable. Uh, go on, Matt, Can what I you perceive say? anything really nitpicky to get some money off? Uh, well, yeah, sure. Uh, make me an investigation check. Like if there's like a scratch on the alloys or something. Um, investigation. Okay, that's 11. 11. Um, there's, there's some mildew growing on one of the windows. I'm trying to think. There's some winkles on the hull. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'll obviously take something off for the, for the winkles, Marjorie, I suppose. Say 100. <sighs> Make me a persuasion check. I'm... Uh... 20, dirty, dirty I'm 20. patently not helping. <laughs> As she deadpan stares you in the face, for the first time, Marjorie has gone from lovely and welcoming. She's like, oh, it's going to be like that, is it? Okay, winkles on the hull. Right. <laughs> well, might be time you pay up and go. Winkles on the fucking hull. Right. Look, I'm swearing. Just, just, just trying. I mean, if you want to pay... Just just for it, ask. If you want to pay 900 gold pieces, because there's some winkles on the hull when we threw in four barrels of vegetable oil... Can I, can I just I intervene? Know. I've just intervened before it all gets a bit hairy. And I, I'd like to guide um, the Belsiara away. Just like, yes, yes. Guide Belsiara away. Um, and I'd like to... And um, start talking to Marge about the recipe for her lemon cake. Well, well played. She, she's like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to snap at him. That's also not a racial joke about crocodiles. <laughs> I appreciate things are getting a things are getting a little bit heated here. All right. Oh, my my lemon drizzle cake. Yes. Uh, the key to that is to use diabetic lemon curd. Interesting. Can I, uh, I know. I, I'd like to just ask her whether she's got any that we can take because um, I, I'd just like to just kind of conspiratorially kind of mutter because the, um, the, the drunk dwarf in the garden, he's stolen it and just kind of point and then you can see the dwarf like face down in the lemon. She looks at you. She's like, oh, thank God. I thought I was being racist a minute ago and you just called a Noma dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it's not just me. Wow. <laughs> She's like, sure, okay. I'm sure we could throw in some lemon cake. If you want to pay the thousand gold pieces, we'll throw in the lemon drizzle cake. We'll do. She's like, Roger! As Roger's still trying to scrub some grease off his hand, he's like, what? Oh, uh, oh okay, uh, sure. As he tootles back to the house. At this point, you see freshly greased up Giggling like a bunch of kids, you see Hanash and Gatsby, both of which stripped off to the waist and, like, properly slippery, come back and are reunited with you. 
Roger comes running back, holding onto a plate um, with a um, like a lovely full lemon drizzle cake. As he's like, one thousand all in the boat, four drums of vegetable oil, and one lemon drizzle cake. How does that sound? So I'd look at Tatty at this point. He's the um, responsible as a I'll um, I'll I'll take out a, a pouch of a thousand gold. And I'll remind everyone that they owe me 200 gold each <laughs> uh, for my trouble. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give, I'll give Marjorie the thousand gold. And then if I can, like, while, when everyone else walks away, I'm going to, I'm going to take out like an extra hundred or something like that and give it to Marjorie and say, uh, for, you know, make sure you, make sure you, you try, try all the food and wine you find on your, uh, on your trip and give her an extra hundred. Oh, so cute. You see Marjorie is, Marjorie's choked up as she hands you the keys to Lady Luck. Lady Luck's keys have got like a little keychain with a rabbit's foot on it. Ooh. He's like, oh, you stop it. You are one of the good ones. Look, I meant what I said earlier about being on a journey with your own mental health. You talk to people, all right? I know. I know that Roger's a lying bastard. I know he gets up to all sorts of things in that shed. I don't know whether he's smoking or masturbating, <laughs> both of which will shorten <laughs> his life. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah. I guess while she, as she as she says that I need to talk to people, I probably just like look out at the party of people. I'm like, yeah, I get, I guess, I guess, I guess I should, I guess I should open up to them more. That would be good. Okay, right, well, I don't want to get preachy. So thank you very much. Me and Raja will, well, we'll maybe we'll take the honeymoon we never had as she takes the extra hundred. She's like, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. As Roger also goes around, Roger looks at you, Belsier, and says, don't forget what we said. Only for good. In a slightly hushed conspiratorial voice. Don't want to be reading about you in them pamphlets, all right? You'll never hear from me again, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's probably for the best. You'll never see me coming. <laughs> As he's like, it's been fun. I enjoy a little adventure. I've had fun too, Roger. I'll, 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 I'll go shake hands with Roger as well. Just tell him. I, I think when I say goodbye to Marjorie, I say, make sure you look after Roger. And then when I go over to Roger, I'll shake his hand and say, look after Marjorie. Aww. Roger, Roger is very touched. Yeah, as we all load on to the boat. Roger's like, I I don't want to make he's like, she looks after me. I would be nothing without her. She really is the centre of my being. Oh. I really am a lucky little bastard gnome. And weirdly self-racial, Roger. He referred to all gnomes. Well at like least this. I know the difference between a gnome and a fucking dwarf. <laughs> I know. I know they're the worst. <laughs> As you all load onto the barge, the flatbed, sea barge. With the four drums of vegetable oil glugging away, Maud holding onto a plate full of lemon drizzle cake. Which of you will turn the key? Keith. Oh. The what? This is little hands. Can we hold Keith Keith up to the to the ignition and and hold the, and hold the key in place for him? Yeah. So he can be like. As he does it, Keith squeaks the uh, the tune to. Remix to ignition. <laughs> wow. Wow. Remix wow. Remix to ignition. 
And suddenly my reference to the honey-dripping hive hole is nowhere near as bad as your reference to, to R. Kelly. I don't know. It's something. pretty bad. As, <laughs> as, uh, as the little sugar glider turns the key, there's a pop, 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 as a as like a belch of black smoke comes out the back of the barge. It goes chugga, 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 chugga. As you take off from the marina, not take off like a rocket, you, you, you move out of the marina on the boat, all of you gently rocking on the tide. Anash puts a greasy arm around you, Tatty, as you slowly leave the marina with Marge and Roger squeals waving to you. Oh. I'll wave, I'll wave and I'll go. That, listeners, is where we are going to leave this week's episode. Wow, we went to some dark and weird places. I mean, I just tried to kill him outright with a bottle, but you just wouldn't let me, so I had to murder him with some (laughs) And you're the one that kept saying hive hole. Nothing wrong with a dripping hive hole, which might be the name of the episode. Let's hope not. Which would probably be why no one listens to this episode. I mean, wow, we went to some really interesting places. Do you know what? I had a whole load of contingencies for how you were going to handle um, El Cascabel, uh, and none of you in, involved that. So, you know, and I'm curious. But, but, but I'm, the I'm scary very thing happy. now is that Maud has a way to assassinate anyone and make it just look like natural causes, just so that some bees got him. There was a point where I was thinking maybe I could have him be diabetic and he just dies. And then I was like, hang on, he's been he's been just like munching on lemon drizzle cake like there's no tomorrow. Just sipping on like highly sugary rhubarb wine. I was like, yeah, I think we'd have noticed. But there we go. Any more for any more before we wrap up? Um, no. Uh, we've got to figure out who's doing what jobs on the boat uh, at some point. That'll be That'll be good. There we go. Right, before we let you go, we just want to say a massive thank you for tuning in for another dollop of fun-packed fantasy fuck nuggetry. Now, seeing as you made it this far, why not hit that subscribe button and never miss another episode again? Better yet, if you're feeling fruity, why not give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you are on? All of your reviews and recommendations go a long way towards spreading the word of our misadventures far and wide. Now then, if you fancy chatting to us about anything you've heard, well, you could reach out to us on Twitter at AnO number one, or, he said very quickly, tacking across, he will edit this out later. Or on Instagram, because AJ never likes talking about it, but I am always on the Instagram. That's account. what I was going to say. Or you could find us on Instagram or threads now, which is adventurers underscore anonymous underscore podcast. Right. There you go. But you can also find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We're, we're all over the place. We're in anywhere where you get your socials. You can find us there. Right. That just leaves us time to say a huge goodbye from the weaponized bee killer herself. The weaponized bee killer. I can't even say that. The weaponized bee killer herself. Chanel Williams. The buzzing murderer. The buzzing murderer. Any final goodbyes? Bye. It sounds like it would be a correction that Shan would make. Like, AJ would call you a, a weaponized bee killer, and then Shan would be like, don't you mean K?
kill her. <laughs> push push up your glasses <laughs> as you do that. Ooh. I like that. The most prolific mass murderer in in history. Don't you mean history? <laughs> <laughs> And it's a massive goodbye from a man who's recently got in touch with his own feelings. It's Mr. Chris Neal. Slander, libel, uh, uh, unproven, uh, outlier, uh, absolutely wrong. Uh, Goodbye, my precious blueberries. You're the only ones that I have feelings for. Bye, my blueberries. (laughs) He doth protest too much. James... James Blood's going to be all sing over. Did you just buy my blueberries in some weird, like Bruce yeah. Springsteen voice? I think it was. I think it was the exact voice that we've been singing. Uh, I gotta give you my Bruce Springsteen. The entire episode. You my 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 blueberries, my blueberries. I'm saying goodbye. Yeah, when Matt's doing a Bruce Springsteen impression, you'll fucking know about it. You'll know. You'll know. I don't know any. All right, it sounded somewhere between Werner Herzog and Bob Dylan. Like it was. Bob Dylan is he like good evening adventurers made of synthetic fabric. Good evening, right? Anyway, we're getting way off track. Stop pissing about, right? It's a massive goodbye from the husky singer himself, Mister Matt Durant. Uh, Goodbye, my makaratik pukahvala. Ah, the beautiful language. Ah. Does that mean dripping hive hole? Um, no, but let's find out. Let's find out. What does it mean? It means a sausage stick. It's like a, a telescopic pork for your sausage. Telescopic pork stick? Yeah. I'll, I'll, Is this the Finnish word for penis? Um, like a pork stick yeah. that grows in length and yeah. can shrink again. Telescopic pork stick. I guess, I guess in a way. Uh, no, I don't think that's... I don't think there's a Finnish word for hive hole. Um, I'm go- I'll, I'll come back to you on that one. <laughs> okay. Okay, right. If we actually have any listeners left. Right, that is the end of the road. With any luck, listeners, we will see you back here next week for more adventures. But in the meantime, remember... Stay... Tipsy. Podcasting is a complicated profession. (laughs) (laughs) There's better Herzog. You shut up with your Bob Dylan impressions. Right. Goodbye. Go home. The end. Piss off. As the man said in the movie. That's the bit where you say, you can't stay here. You can't. You must go home. You can't stay here. Yeah, but usually when I start saying it, you cut me off in the recording halfway through, so I stopped doing Aww. it. Aww. How sad. Mm. What have you done to him? Go on. I'll count you down. Five, four, three, two, one. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And that's a wrap. <laughs>